Hi everyone, it's HK back again with another episode. Super excited to have you all here. I really appreciate you guys for listening. In this episode, I'm excited to talk about how to leverage serverless to optimize for cost and performance. I have a great topic to discuss today, but uh, before that, in case if you haven't uh, listened to my uh, other podcast, uh, please go ahead and listen and uh, subscribe. Okay, with that, uh, let me talk about serverless today and uh, tell you a few stories about what I've learned on my serverless journey and some of the things where I found useful. So first, I will give you some context of uh, where my views are coming from. So I have uh, experience with uh, everything from major cloud providers like AWS, Azure, and uh, Google Cloud and uh, even some of the private clouds. Uh, also, I have uh, experience with uh, different uh, technologies and architecture framework design patterns out there. Uh, you'll see uh, throughout uh, this uh, talk, uh, my personal belief is that when you're building software, it's incredibly complex, um, sometimes uh, hard environments, and I think uh, the best results come from decentralized teams. I think uh, that's important. Uh, we start talking about uh, serverless in the correct ways. So I want to talk about four main things. Uh, I want to start why serverless is uh, important for some of you. Maybe uh, new to serverless or maybe wondering why you should uh, go to it. So I thought it was uh, good to start with the framework of uh, why serverless is an important tool that will allow teams to do more in the future cloud worlds. To give you the rubric of uh, how cloud thinks about serverless, because given that it's a pretty nascent technology, I think that lots of people assume serverless is uh, very binary. And one thing I would like to kind of walk through how I think of uh, serverless, because I think is uh, it is a good model that you can use if you want to start with serverless. Then I want to get into some kind of a more meaty topics. I will talk about some of the architectural patterns and some of the design patterns that I find very useful. Then the question I get a hundred times is about cost. Whether serverless can cost a lot, which hits me again and again, and uh, we'll talk about my views uh, therein and uh, what I've done to make uh, sure that things don't cost too much when I was using those uh, technologies. Let's start, um, as I said, uh, with the why serverless is important. You really want to watch that. Um, you should be choosing tools that optimize for that so that uh, you can deliver more value in this uh, very competitive landscape. Second, serverless allows uh, product teams to focus on customer value, which again are one of our economic constraints uh, in successfully delighting newcomers and uh, existing users to focus on things at the same time. Uh, users will have uh, standard delivery. The whole idea of uh, serverless is that you should focus on creating value and uh, let other users to work on other things. There was a great set of uh, art was going around a few years ago that says, you know, in some ways the internet is becoming somewhat of a feudal landscape. That means we have the big providers uh, uh, got so large, uh, rather be the Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and uh, other cloud providers. They have a scale and reach and a depth of experience to be able to do things like provisioning the hardware, secure that hardware, update patches and scale out resources so much faster than the smaller players going to be able to do that. It's becoming much more valuable to let them handle which will enable one to focus on just other problems. When you come in, you really get to the central thesis, which is uh, 
Serverless is a tool that removes barriers between teams and real scenario problems. Serverless lets get you close to that, like creating value, solving problems for scenarios that traditionally is taking up a lot of cycles and uh, engineering works when they have a SaaS-based product. So in that way, that's why we think this is a tool which you have to understand. You have to leverage uh, for some context going forward. And uh, once if you're familiar with, you can uh, leverage in the future when you're building products and features. I thought uh, it was uh, really a great way of uh, looking at serverless because one of the first misconceptions I often find out talking to people about platform is that everyone sees serverless very binary. If I say, hey, I'm doing serverless platform, they will uh, think about Lambda. Uh, I think my views of services slightly more nuanced and I think uh, you're starting to see this. This spectrum is essentially saying that uh, probably you could uh, just set up a big rack of it and let run it on their hardware. Uh, need to worry about a lot of operational costs there. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, probably everyone understands that. But as you walk to the right here, you start uh, going into things like a Redshift is a perfect example. It's a great database tool, but uh, also you don't have to worry about it. You can again outsource some of that to the cloud provider. As I mentioned earlier, these are all very AWS-specific services we have up here, but the fact is still applying for any cloud. Things get interesting if you start getting about halfway through the spectrum and all the way over to the right, whether it would be something like Kinesis, which is Amazon's managed Kafka. Uh, all of a sudden, instead of running Kafka, which granted is pretty straightforward service to manage, but still something you don't want to have your team spending time on your Kafka provider. You should outsource a lot of that to AWS. Kinesis is in the middle tier because uh, if you haven't used it, you still have to do a fair amount of uh, chart analysis and uh, capacity planning. But you still um, outsourced a lot of that and then things get really interesting when we get to that cluster stuff uh, with the DynamoDB Lambda. If you want to store a bunch of data, your team can focus on that. And uh, what the cloud provider worries about is making sure it's availability and uh, secure with respect to your policy. So this is a model I talk on how to leverage, how one can use these services that allow teams to focus on solving a business problem and not worry as much about the operational side. Of course, uh, they still must reward some of it, uh, but as much as possible, it's good idea to outsource that to the cloud provider. So let's get into some of the architectural patterns. First, I want to start off how most people would not use serverless. Let's say on the left, I have a elastic load balancer to a cluster. Easy to host. Uh, you can imagine that running monolithic or even service-oriented application. That's just a stand-in. Uh, some people might have a cluster of containers. They might ha have a Kubernetes or something else. And of course, AWS. Or if you take a non-service application, which has a lot of VMs with monolithic application from that side. A lot of people think that a transition to serverless is just what people saw when they first went to cloud. Uh, the old lift and shift mentality. Uh, you take up uh, your code from there, the, you move it over and uh, drop it onto a bunch of lambdas. If there is one thing that I would ask for people who want to be cost conscious, do not go down this path and this might seem simplistic. Uh, there was a scenario, essentially it took a web app, uh, I believe uh, was a .NET app and uh, pulled it up and dropped it in an API gateway, a lambda, and they were shocked when it cost more. 
uh, it also ran slowly and i can tell you right now you shouldn't be shocked if you take a current application if you're somebody working or coaching a team your application from the left side and uh, you just take the application up and uh, drop it over to the right you're probably going to be uh, on with the serverless journey it's going to cost more uh, perform poorly each and uh, and you will probably uh, run away screaming from surplus that doesn't mean you should avoid using serverless i'm not scaring you uh, you need to be aware of uh, some of the patterns that uh, will allow you to be uh, successful so let's talk about what you should do uh, i would uh, step back for a second uh, from talking about any service and talk about even driven patterns all the patterns and algorithms and uh, design patterns that i talk about here are not new to serverless a lot of this will be very recognizable but uh, like any set of design patterns um, each one is going to be something more successful uh, different domains and uh, going back to some of the event driven patterns is exact type of thing you want to use uh, the serverless domain internally we sometimes laugh because uh, although you know event driven patterns can be new to someone uh, maybe they just work on uh, one or two web application that is used to kind of uh, synchronously calling api to api this kind of pattern is not new to this industry uh, anyone uh, out there uh, comes from hardware background worked on say uh, a pcr bus the important thing here that you will start seeing if you if we pull um, if we put this all together through is if you don't rethink how you break down your architecture and you don't use the right patterns serverless is going to be a hard tool to fit into your architecture the reason the even driven patterns are powerful if you can pull together small domains and have them and uh, the events they can run very synchronously with the your other domain and one of the anti patterns that will become apparent as you get a serverless is that synchronous workloads are painful this makes sense when you think about it the whole idea of serverless is uh, of course uh, you are only spending money for the capacity that you are using so synchronous workloads means uh, basically paying for one or more services you are happy with you can be paying both the other service and a lambda and waiting for a response asynchronous where you have a domain doing something and then it's closing at the main event that you have a serverless construct that allows other services other domains to subscribe it that go to the workloads in their own patterns this allows you both to break apart your application whether that be a microservices mindsets like uh, been a very popular last couple of years allows you to leverage some of the surplus uh, tools in a way that uh, will be very cost conscious and uh, beginning the they very agile if you have never used any serverless services or you are very curious about using a new cloud this is a pattern that individual developers or maybe two teams essentially use a spa pattern but uh, using a serverless uh, spa or single page application go create a s3 bucket and then uh, have it uh, talk to an api gateway uh, go to a lambda do some kind of business logic transformation whether you need to transfer the data and then uh, leverage something like dynamodb to store the objects or treat them uh, update them the reason i put this here is Uh, and if anybody is already using serverless obviously this is not as exciting but if you are new to serverless this is a great kind of thing that uh, someone can i'll talk a little bit more about dynamodb the other good thing uh, here though is that uh, something like dynamodb uh, might be very new to some of them uh, it is a no sql database and uh, so if you have a familiarity with that if you have a team who is currently responsible for an application uh, that is used to much more of a postgres or a sql based workloads this dynamodb will again get them exposed to a much more managed service there is a 
much different data storage. So if you have uh, never tried uh, serverless, I think uh, this is a great way to spend a day to pull together some of the serverless tools. Actually solve some problems, but that's uh, very simplistic. That's probably not going to help you. Then how do I get uh, from where I am today? You start to leverage uh, some of these uh, new things in my context, and for that, I would like to bring up the second pattern. As I said earlier, none of this uh, are new to the serverless world. This is a pattern that I personally have used it in many areas. This is a great pattern for taking any monolithic infrastructure you have or application you have and uh, breaking it apart or um, new architecture or a new set of tools. Take your current application and start uh, taking um, small vertical slices of customer value. Uh, pull them, uh, how much of that monolithic or the old architecture and uh, implement it in the new architecture and then uh, route any request for that area that new piece and what happens is as you pull out each string you slowly take the request or the old monolithic or the old one is running on technology you don't want to be running on anymore so you slowly strangle the lifeblood from that there's a lot of nice things about this pattern once it is uh, very agile you can start providing value on a new architecture your new set of tools very early you can also start doing this very small and uh, do a few vertical slices that goes well it's very cost conscious as well. It's expensive when you rewrite application. So get it up and uh, switch everything over this allows you to decompose things slowly. And uh, if you do it correctly, you can even start deprovisioning your uh, original app and uh, your cost will stay uh, relatively uh, steady. The important things to remember is to step back and uh, say what uh, is a domain and uh, what is the correct way to decompose, which allows you to be very thoughtful. Uh, very slowly and hopefully end up with an architectural support long term versus the same architecture on a new set of tools and that's where the second piece of cost conscious comes in uh, again you don't want lift and shift you want to understand the tools you are going to and then all of your contacts and piece by piece move over to a much more serverless world and a use case in a way that will provide a value and uh, leveraging tools moving from uh, monolithic probably won't save money it'll cost you more money and uh, you will be unhappy for a whole bunch of uh, other things. I would say that uh, you should not have a mentality where you are trying to move from a current tools to serverless and have uh, cost be the main driver. I think the cost is something that serverless can deliver, but it shouldn't be the main driver. I've already talked about it. One should be able to be more agile and focus a little more on the problems you want to be focused on. But the other thing uh, from a cost point of view is that if you have a, a right kind of application, we probably all have uh, areas of our uh, application that don't have a uh, very steady loads. Those are the perfect one. There are still some other things you must learn. The first one I have talked to both briefly and previously, but it's uh, worth bringing up again. This is uh, be very synchronous workloads when you're running a bunch of VMs. Your opportunity cost or your actual cost of having one service call, a third party service uh, in your uh, cluster is pretty low. All of a sudden, when you're paying for milliseconds to a cloud provider to run your function as a service, that becomes a lot harder. Should be careful about calling out from Lambda. So make sure you come up with the right architecture constructs. If you have a very synchronous architecture, it's going to be a little harder for some of these tools and uh, you want to be careful because you're not spending a lot of money when you're generating value for the time. Second piece is that uh, a lot of people are on a serverless thinking that you can get rid of all operational costs. Uh, another area where I have personally seen, I have a problem with the cost if you don't write size or structure. 
Lambda as an example, although I mentioned Kinesis as well earlier and uh, they are still even in the serverless world area, we must uh, make sure that uh, you're right-sizing your metrics. I have had problems with memory pressure. If you start filling out your workload, uh, you're going to eat invoking your serverless constructs over and over again and uh, aim for execution times not uh, actually get your value. Third one I will say is like any new set of tools like anyone here who has done the transition from on-premises to cloud going from VM architecture to serverless architecture. I talked a little bit about the pattern. Uh, a lot of these are going to be uh, serverless specific though. For instance, Dynamo, which I mentioned briefly earlier, DynamoDB is a fascinating service. It's hard one for people just to come in and use right away. If they don't have a deeper experience with NoSQL database, that they are more used you as its uh, transactions or you know just uh, any PostgreSQL workload it's a little hard to jump in there. It's a great talk on how uh, you can look at your data as a graph instead of uh, some of the patterns you might use to represent initial SQL database. The good news there is that if you can start working out how to use things like DynamoDB you can really make use of uh, storage that scales in incredibly well off, incredibly cheap. So those are areas where you can actually see a lot of cost savings but again it makes you rethink how you store data how to track storage layer and on the other side there are tools here as I said uh, like uh, when you shift from on-premises to cloud some of the tools had to be updated luckily here is a place where um, we are seeing both incoming players uh, come up with more options I noticed it was uh, used uh, Datadog and they have a lot more offerings or surplus but there is also a new tools out there. You look at your operational workload as you move to serverless. Make sure you look at the tools you're using. Either understand how you use it differently or uh, try out uh, some new tools. You can make sure that you're getting the visibility in certain ability. You need to be successful using serverless tools. Let me talk about the trends and benefits of uh, serverless computing. The scope of serverless is yet unexplored. Um, with new and high potential developments such as uh, function as a service and GitOps still in the nascent stages, organizations can expect massive benefits leveraging the power of serverless uh, computing going forward. Servers have been a very important part of the computing architecture for decades, but uh, with the introduction of cloud, we have moved to predominantly web-based server infrastructure and the migration to serverless architecture has begun. Serverless uh, computing, uh, abstract and uh, Virtual server support has made the computing uh, landscape more dynamic, robust, intuitive, and uh, powerful. But uh, advancement in serverless technology is still in its uh, nascent stage. The next few years are expected to bring in numerous developments and uh, transformations. So let's look at uh, some serverless trends uh, you should keep an eye uh, out for. Kubernetes will become uh, the go-to serverless system. Kubernetes has already become synonymous with open source uh, containerization, but in the next few years, uh, we will see Kubernetes become the base for serverless infrastructure. Features such as networking, service discovery, agile scaling, and multi-cloud environment support makes Kubernetes the perfect choice for serverless. Additionally, the K-Native already released. The process of uh, standardization and interoperability of service uh, platforms may soon become a reality. And uh, stateful applications will also see the usage of serverless. A restriction of uh, serverless uh, for stateless applications is a thing of the past. The next few years, we'll see stateful applications benefiting from the immense power of serverless. Developers will be able to use database connections, BAAS, and uh, event uh, payloads to run the application. And uh, 
FAS function as a service industry size will grow. The function FAS market is expected to grow to a uh, few billions by 2021. Large scale adoption of serverless will be seen across the world and there will be a, a good margin that is what is expected. GitOps will be the next big thing. The version control system of DevOps, GitOps uh, will see more takers in the future, especially in uh, functional service. Uh, GitOps is expected to improve operational workflows, uh, especially in fast-moving projects and enable implementation of technologies such as uh, Kubernetes and other cloud solutions. Additionally, this will enable cloud vendors uh, to provide greater ecosystem support and uh, tooling capabilities uh, to users. And uh, containers versus serverless. Uh, containers by nature are segmented, isolated, and uh, contain spaces of application-specific service. While they offer high degrees of uh, specialized tools, resource and support, they suffer from numerous challenges. They are very uh, resource uh, inefficient compared to serverless. Their ecosystem is fractured as opposed to the whole sum environment offered by serverless. Data storage and retention are complicated, necessitating frequent data migration across uh, containers. Graphic support is limited, resulting in uh, poor quality deployments. The challenges that come with containers uh, prompt uh, organization to choose serverless. Already many companies have implemented serverless. Here is how uh, the move to serverless will benefit you too. Uh, serverless computing eliminates the need for the setup of complex application stacks. It reduces the organization's uh, capital expenditure. It shortens the standard release uh, cycle significantly due to microservices and uh, nanoservices. It allows easy completion of uh, ELT tasks and uh, cron type jobs. It allows the organization to escape uh, traditional workloads through event-based uh, computing. It enables uh, green computing. And lastly, it promotes uh, deployer autonomy and encourages the adoption of new mindsets. Serverless uh, computing gives uh, organization uh, the freedom to focus on their core business offerings and uh, deal with only low-level operating system issues. This time, money and opportunity can be used by developers, coders, and top management to keep developers' competitive offerings which can help the organization overtake uh, competitors easily. To conclude, uh, serverless computing uh, could be one of the most exciting developments of the 21st century. It is uh, breaking down old barriers and uh, allowing organization to expand and explore new frontiers. Its high deliverability coupled with immense opportunities it promises makes it a must adopt in any organization. All right then, I'm uh, signing up. Have a great day, everybody. I'll come up with some interesting topic later. Till then, take care. Cheers. Thank you.